Hey, this is Dante with Five Songs or Less, and today, in the true meaning of punish, I am punishing Danny <laughs> with Third Eye Blind. Hey, Danny, how are you? <sighs> you know, I've been I've been trying to make it through the week. There's a lot going on in the world. It's Monday. It's me stressed out. It's Monday, and I've had to listen to Third Eye Blind all fucking week. I, I've gotten to listen to Third Eye Blind as well. Mm-hmm. Possibly the just, only good thing that has happened to me the past week. <laughs> just looking at into Stephen Jenkins's eyes. There's worse eyes to look into. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, so I've I've been editing the Empire Empire episode, and there was a point where you jokingly said that uh, JC Jesse Lacey was a hero of mine, and all I did was laugh. I didn't go. Shut the fuck up or something like that. So <laughs> Yeah, I remember I'd that. I'd like to say this right now. Jesse Lacey is not a hero of mine. I thought like you either didn't hear me or were just like, you already knew you were going to edit it out. So you're just like, I'm fucking not even going to acknowledge Dante right now. <laughs> I thought about editing the whole section out, but I was like, no, I'm going to leave it in there. But I'll put a little disclaimer or something. Maybe I'll go in and, and add in something. Well, I thought the fact that I was like, like I so clearly laid out that you were a big fan of his. I thought like that would be obvious enough that it was not serious. But I, I could see from your point of view where you would want to just be very specific about it. <laughs> you also know that uh, now I'm only half listening most of the time. <laughs> yeah, well, you <laughs> act like I've never talked to someone before. I know how it works. I know how it is to try to listen to me. It's not easy. But um, back to back to Stephen Jenkins's eyes. If they're good enough for Charlize Theron, they're good enough for you and me. I mean, are they? Aren't they divorced? Maybe they weren't good enough. Well, they were never married. Oh. But I didn't look that much. I mean, whatever. If if he if he tricked her into hanging out three times, isn't that good enough? Like, let's not kid ourselves here. Yeah, I suppose. He was riding high off the success of, I don't know, his appearance on that uh, guitar online-only video thing that I made you watch. Oh, God. We can save that, though. We can, but yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. That was, that was bad. I, I will say, if there's any... If there's anyone listening that considers themselves a Third Eye Blind fan, they might take a look at this playlist and be like, what the fuck? Because I I don't think, I, I certainly did not include, I certainly did not try to make this playlist bad. Mm-hmm. I also was like, I can't omit this song. There was one song on here that I felt like I had to include if for no other reason than it might be the most interesting song we talk about. If if nothing else, it's good for, for a dialogue. So Yes. I think so. Yeah. It's like um I, like if we're going to talk about uh the films of David Gordon Green, you might want to mm-hmm. talk about George Washington. You might even want to talk about Pineapple Express. You're probably not gonna want to talk about Jonah Hill's the sitter, but it's it's part of the fabric of his filmography, and it's it might be an interesting conversation. So yeah, yeah. 
there was a lot of songs I wanted to include that I obviously couldn't because of the five song limitation. And I already knew a bunch of the songs. Well, not a bunch, but a couple. Of the songs I included? No. Oh, okay. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've heard Third Eye Blind songs before. Right. I mean, you like, you were what, in your mid-20s when, they're, when they kind of broke in the mid-90s. Um, what? You, were, <laughs> you, had, you had just had your first child when their debut album came out? <laughs> was, Han was born. Yeah, yeah, that's... You had them turn the radio because you thought Jumper was too much of a bummer of a song to be born to, and then you you just had to wait like three minutes before Semi-Charmed Life came on, and you're like, all right, this is pretty upbeat. She can, she can push to this. <laughs> so, all right, you were, you were in high school, I think, when this... When they broke, right? 97? Yeah, I was in high school. You I were in high freshman. school. Freshman. Okay. Was it ever on your radar? Was it... I mean, I, I would imagine it's something you couldn't have really avoided. Yeah, I mean, listening to these five songs, this is the only time I've ever listened to Third Eye Blind when it wasn't like in a Jamba Juice. <laughs> okay. Or, you know, like in a movie... Or right. the Winnie the Pooh trailer when they use Semi-Charm Life, which is completely inappropriate for a children's movie, but, you know, it sounds fun, so... Well, if you know anything whatever. about Winnie, he's packed and he's holding. <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, by 97, I was, I was fully immersed in punk rock, so I did not listen to the radio anymore and, you know, anything on a major label was I just scoffed at. And so, right. Yeah. Okay. It was a total dick. <laughs> was it was maybe is, I don't know. Um, well, so yeah, I was going to ask if, if you listen to the radio much then, because probably from like 97 to oh, maybe even earlier, like 95 to 2000 was probably my like biggest radio listening days. Mm hmm. Just because you're going anywhere with mom or dad, the radio's on. And yeah. Third Eye Blind heard them all the time. And not just Third Eye Blind, but I have a huge soft spot for like mid to late 90s alternative radio rock. Mm -hmm. I, I know One Hit Wonders have always been a thing, but I feel like that period was just like packed with really, really <laughs> strong one hit wonders. Yeah. If like, um, is it sister Hazel? You know, that song, um, uh, hard to say, I, is that, I don't know. That's what it's called, but mm, any, like the, the, just these, one. these random songs that like, I will not have thought of for 10 years. And then, like you said, you'll hear them in a movie or just, you know, wherever. And then I'm like, Oh my God. I remember sitting in my mom's like, mercury cougar and it was like a hundred <laughs> degrees and we're going to yogurt island after school or something and like <laughs> i can you know and like so it just it, it's very it is very nostalgic um so I, I definitely have a soft spot for for this era and genre of of rock and third sure, eye line sure. for whatever reason was kind of one one of these bands that I don't want to say endured because it's not like I've never owned like a third eye blind shirt or seen them live or anything like that. <laughs> but they've almost held like a, a, a deeper spot in my heart, M maybe just for the, the sheer amount of times I heard them when I was young. Mm -hmm. You did not have that problem? Not with third eye blind. 
No, clearly. I mean, yeah, you, clearly you said you you weren't listening to the radio <laughs> at that time, so you, you never would have been like, you know, ingrained with all of this. Yeah, I mean, I was a radio listener up until probably like somewhere between seventh and eighth grade is when that's when I started getting into punk and just finding music through like mail order catalogs or like thank you lists on CDs and stuff like that. And, and then going to shows and finding bands that way and stuff like that. And I did technically still listen to the radio a little bit because there was like a punk radio show on the local uh, alternative rock radio station here. And so I would listen to that. But as far as like listening throughout the day and like listening in the car and stuff, I just punished my parents with, <laughs> oh, like, I recorded this CD onto a cassette tape. Uh, so now you have to listen to Suicide Machines in the car. Okay, mom. Cool. But like before that, Amanda and I were just talking about this like yesterday, the day, the day before, like kind of our early, early music likes and stuff like that. And kind of how we like latched on the things that our parents liked and stuff because my parents never like pushed anything on us musically like you you know you got to listen to this band or any bullshit like that like my dad listened to the like classic rock station and my mom listened to you know the i don't know i don't know what you like adult contemporary pop probably something that third eye blind would be played on now (laughs) (laughs) right well like what bands were being played on on her stations um when she listened to that kind of stuff, it's probably like, I don't know, like Lifehouse or, but, you know, shit like that. Or um, she'd listen to like the, you know, 80s, 90s and today. Well, it was the 90s, but 70s, 80s, 90s and today <laughs> um, kind of radio station. Um, and it would have, you know, like your 90s pop music, but no, no rap, like that kind of bullshit. I probably heard a lot of Paula Abdul and things like that. Or right. my parents were really into Mo- the Moody Blues and Van Morrison. Like I heard a lot of that growing up. Mm, okay. And then like because of my dad, I listened to like rock music. He had like a a Black Sabbath album was my first like record I ever put on. Did your dad ever listen to like uh like Doobie Brothers or like just cause th- that brand of classic rock that was just like like super like mellow, but for some reason it doesn't really come like the, like Doobie Brothers. It was like a huge band, but mm-hmm. didn't really make it to classic rock radio. Yeah, I mean, once I like listened to Doobie Brothers as an adult, I mean, I had definitely heard those songs either on the classic rock station or maybe the station my mom listened to, and they have some great songs. I lo- I'm a Doobie Brothers fan. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 for sure. Put them on the list, because I think I've only ever found them boring. Oh, really? Oh, man, they've got some great hits. Um, I only know the hits. They're not like a band where I have, like, their actual albums or anything. But Yeah. But anyway, yeah, and then, like, I started listening to my own music, and that was when, like, the early to getting to the mid-90s, like, R&B was kind of having a, a renaissance, if you will, or something like that with, like, uh, what were we talking about? We we're like SWV and Boys to Men and Bell De- Belbiv DeVoe and like all those like Salt and Peppa, like that right. whole thing. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg too, like when with with rap. So I listened to the rap station for a long time, and then I started 
branching off into listening to rock and stuff like that. So, so much of that stuff, like I know, like I'll hear it or it'll pop into my head all of a sudden. And it's just always there with me, but it's never like, I never owned any of that stuff. I just listened to it on the radio. Did your parents ever, like when did, when did it seem like they stopped like investing in new music? Like when would they no longer hear of something on the radio and then go out and buy the CD? Hmm. They would still do that. My dad would buy CDs still. Like he bought a couple REM albums. He bought Monster and Automatic for the People. And he bought uh, the U2 album, Octoon Baby. Oh, so good. Let's get your dad on the pod. Okay. Octoon Baby is fucking great. Absolutely. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I liked it back then, but I can't stand U2. I get the general uh, stance of them being insufferable. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Octune Baby is pretty perfect. That opening track, Zoo Station, uh, might be their best song. Wow, you know it right off the top of your head, huh? Yeah. Well, okay, so so you two, so those two bands, you two and R.E.M., were big in my house. Mm-hmm. I think my dad liked you two a little bit more. My mom liked R.E.M. a little bit more. But, like, my mom was, like, big into, like, late 80s, like, or alternative or whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. So those two bands were really, really big. And then, yeah, probably up until, like, the late 90s, my parents would still, you know, hear something and, and buy a CD, which is how uh, which is how Third Eye Blind got into our house. It was one of the CDs that, like... I was, was going to ask you if you did this, and it sounds like you probably didn't, but, you know, my parents would buy CDs and you know I'm eight nine ten years old and like I would kind of steal them Mm -hmm. and go listen to them in my room and Third Eye Blind was definitely one that I don't know if it was bought for me but it ended up just having a home in my room you know next to the next to the little Sony boombox or whatever yeah my sister and I would kind of share them um like I remember I don't know stealing or whatever the the U2 CD and the two REM albums from my dad kind of you know listening to them on my own or like the Beatles albums that he had but but yeah my sister and I would kind of share those like she would listen to it and then I would take it from her and it would kind of make its way around the house what the heck is that are you getting murdered Dante Murdered by the edge. Oh, is this you too? Yeah, the this is the opening track to Octune Baby. Like that that guitar and that snare sound like will never leave my head. <laughs> Interesting. Sorry, I guess I'm just more open minded. But Yeah, you probably are. Well, because here's what's gonna happen. And so I don't know if this makes me more open minded or not, because you you started out liking Obviously, you started liking all of these bands that you um, choose to share with me, right? But mm-hmm. if I end up liking liking more of those bands than you liking the bands I share with you, w- what does that mean? That like you just had a better start, and now I'm <laughs> I'm more open to <laughs> to changing my tastes, or that you're now closed minded? You see what I'm saying? Like, or maybe maybe I'm open- just as closed. I'm just as close-minded as I was in 1997. 
<laughs> Maybe that's yeah. Freshman year of high school was like this is it. I don't need anything more. <laughs> um, no, I mean, because would freshman year Danny like Taylor Swift? No, absolutely not. Okay, so I mean, so you've and you've anytime, at least... so so it wasn't just me being like I don't like this stuff. It was kind of like you know the thing you do when you're in a freshman in high school or just in high school junior high is I so Bjork came out with the song Human Behavior and I really liked that song and I kind of mentioned it in passing one time and so and then one of my friends made fun of me for that and so then I shut off my my liking Bjork until like probably 10 years later or something <laughs> you, or five you shut it later. off yeah I was just like nope I can't like that because right. it's not cool yeah that sucks man that I go back yeah. Okay, this is... So obviously we do that with media. I used to do that, or at least I've done it. It wasn't like a habit, but I've definitely done that with girls. And it's especially like when you're young, when you're like, oh, I have a crush on this girl. But then for whatever stupid uh-huh. like social class reason, and I mean social class <laughs> in the in the terms of like middle school or high school, not like yeah, her, yeah. her parents' like tax bracket. Kind of yes, yes. <laughs> Because yeah. whatever of those stupid reasons, you're like, oh, but I guess I can't like her. So, okay, I, I guess I don't. And I was like, oh, man, like, what an idiot. Like, why would you close yourself off to, like, <laughs> you know, whether it's a, a band or a, a friend or a girlfriend or whatever? Like, why would you close yeah. yourself off to fun experiences? Like, I yeah. don't know. And I'm sure, I'm sure I still do that today in probably ways I don't even realize. Yeah. From what I understand what I hear um, from like my wife when she was a teen librarian is that's much less <laughs> of a thing. What? What? <laughs> that is the like most young adultish novel I've, my wife was a teen librarian. Is that what you just said? <laughs> she, she was that I'm, I believe you. I, I like I don't think it's crazy that she was a teen librarian, but like it's like I don't know, like that was a way to uh, title things for a while. Like um, <laughs> what, what was what was the Mike Myers like movie? a Goosebumps book? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> zombies ate my neighbors or what, what, what was the was it like? My my husband, the axe murderer, or what, what? What am I thinking of? Oh, so so I married an axe murderer. So I married an axe murderer, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my wife was a teen librarian, and other short stories. <laughs> <laughs> like I, oh. I think I read that book right after uh, the Stinky Cheese Man came out. <laughs> uh, apparently, this that's much less of a thing now. Um, People are a lot more open, and if you like a band or like a musician or whatever, that's fine. It, you're, it's not like, you know, you're a rocker, so you only like rock, or you're, a, you know, whatever, so you only like this type of music. But, I mean, that's good. That's good for for society, I think. Yeah, I think so. We were talking about our families just a little bit in terms of our parents and their, their mid-90s musical um, consumption habits. Going back a little further than that, 
I don't know if, if you know this. I mean, Dante is obviously an Italian name, <clears throat> but um, I actually have some connection with uh, Ireland. So my great, great, great grandfather, um, he, he was Italian, but he moved to, to Dublin for work, which was a very like a very strange choice because Ireland was not in the greatest of shape when he went over there. But I, as he, as he put it in his journals, it was for a woman. Um, so I guess you'll do, you'll do crazy things. You'll move crazy places for, for the right woman. And so they were, they were finally getting, you know, their things in order. They finally had enough money to come over to America. But unfortunately, he made some bad decisions, which I think might have been passed down genetically to me. <laughs> he got put in prison for theft. He thought if he could just get a little bit more money, he stole from a bakery... That would be everything they needed and a little bit more to make it to America and, you know, begin a new life together. The funny thing is, not not funny, I suppose, but he didn't get caught. He was going to get away with it. If it wasn't for that narc-olepsy. So, uh, you know, how long does it take you to uh, write these down and come up with them? I I just kind of write, like, I just wrote down the word narc space olepsy and wrote great great grandfather. And then, like, <laughs> I just try to weave my way from one to the other. <laughs> That's very good. Thanks. It's very good. You've got a, the makings of a, of a script on your hands. <laughs> Screenplay. Um, yeah, it'll be part of the... Uh, like teen wife librarian universe. <laughs> oh my God. We're, we're going to, if we ever get lucky enough where people invent, invent, uh, create stupid, uh, Twitter accounts based on the nonsense <laughs> of this podcast. Sure. I hope one of them is Danny's teen librarian wife. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, we'll have to get an ellipsy one going too. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, and it'll oh. just be like a, a screenshot of like an extra from Peaky Blinders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so narcolepsy, a third eye blind, not a cover of the Ben Folds five song. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Was the Ben Folds song first? Let me do a quick Google. What? It wasn't on their, like their first big album. I don't think. No, narcolepsy. I think was on the ballad of who's a what's oh, Reinhold Messner. That might have been ninety nine. Like, so uh, no. So Danny, um, your first your first listen of this. Would you rather have been asleep? <laughs> no, it was definitely a hard thing to get over my preconceived notions of what I was expecting to hear. <laughs> You know, did you just think every like, song was going to be doot doot doots? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I was just going to say narcolepsy doot 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 doot. <laughs> oh, mashup. This song takes you on a bit of a ride. 
Yeah. The intro guitar, the clean guitar, this comes up a couple times in my notes here. The tone that they get on their clean guitar sounds a lot like American football. Hmm. And I, I wish it just, I just want it to stay there. <laughs> I just want um, fucking Owen. That's not his real name. I just want Mike Kinsella to start singing. Wait. Instead of this other chunk. Or is it Nate? Wait, is it Mike or Nate? <laughs> I thought, I want to say Mike, but it could be Nate. Okay. Nate. okay. Well, there's a Nate in the band also. Maybe they both sing. Anyway, so you you just want you wanted to go listen to another band. Yeah, so I just wanted to pause it and go listen to <laughs> American football instead. Yeah. No, um, I was kind of taken aback by that. I was like, oh, okay, I'm digging this guitar tone. Uh, I, I like it. And then it just all of a sudden picks up and they turn on the distortion, which is fine. I get where they're going with that. On the recording, they do the clean guitar and they start to distortion. And I'm like, okay, cool. I like where this is going. It's upbeat. It's distorted. But then when the vocals come in, he starts picking a lot lighter. And so it's almost it's almost like a palm mute. But instead, it's just like what I thought palm muting was before I knew how to play guitar. I remember, <laughs> I remember not understanding anything about guitar, but listening to, to Rancid. And pretending to play it on my guitar and all the palm muting parts, which there are a lot, I would just strum lighter, even though I was not holding any strings down because I didn't understand that you had to hold strings down. Right. (laughs) I'm just learning this actually right now. (laughs) Just just strumming a little bit lighter. But it sounds like that. And I hate it. I don't like that. He they kind of like wimp out on the on the rock. For a minute there and they don't do that live because all the live videos i saw they keep it up and they play it a lot faster live and so that kind of bums me out about the recording interesting i've hmm, i mean we could talk probably more than um one would expect about the guitar technique of this band specifically on the stuff uh, on their on their debut album they've gone mm-hmm. through a few lead guitarists over the years and in the hasn't it always been the same guy well the same singer but oh i thought the guitarist was the same guy too so the the guy that like i think was on the first two albums named kevin cottigan um, oh that's probably why because i you only gave me songs off of the first two well except for that one right which is which is much later but anyway so kevin cottigan is is kind of known for like Man, these songs were like so tightly packed with hooks and interesting guitar stuff. And he, I think, deservedly gets most of the credit. And then, mm-hmm. um, for maybe a lot of reasons we'll, we'll get into, but um, he kind of got pushed out of the band. In some of those, those middle-era Third Eye Blind albums, a lot of the hooks seemingly disappeared. And it's pretty easy hmm. to draw a conclusion of how that happened. But Interesting. I remember listening to this album so much when I was like, you know, 9, 10, 11, that even though this isn't like, this band is not going to be on a Guitar World cover or anything, <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, this is more interesting than a lot of the stuff like that was available to me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it was, and obviously my nine-year-old self could have been wrong, but... 
I still kind of feel that way that they they make some guitar choices that um, e- either just what they're playing or how they're playing it. I remember thinking like, oh, this is like very very specific. Like they're trying to do something more so than just like I mean I. God knows I love the pick the Pixies, but it's like, okay, you're going to palm mute and play quiet, and then you're going to mm-hmm. fucking turn on the distortion and be super fucking loud, and that is awesome, but, like, yeah. it, it's, I think it's just more than just, like, that, you know, quiet, loud dynamic. Yeah, they kind of, they have a lot more more dynamics than, than that. The part I was talking about specifically, I feel like it's not different enough to warrant it existing. <laughs> if you... <laughs> if you <laughs> If you know what I mean, I guess. I don't know. Do you, have you ever noticed that? I don't remember ever having that thought of like, oh, this this is supposed to be palm muted or... It's not or even it's supposed to be palm muted. Like I said, when they play it live, they just give it their all and they're, they don't change the weight of what how they hit the strings. I don't... There's probably an actual word for that, but... So is, is it... So it's it's not the very beginning where he's like where he's saying I'm on a train but there's no one at the helm. Are you talking no, about no. the first verse? The first like verse when the after they turn the distortion on and there's like a you know musical interlude or whatever and then uh, he starts in I guess on the first verse. Okay, so that, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And no, I, it's, it's never stuck out to me. It's almost like there were two guitar tracks. You know, the, the singer who plays guitar sometimes and then the mm-hmm. guitarist both playing the rhythm at the same time. And then when he starts singing, it sounds like maybe he stopped playing. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's not how they recorded this album, but that's what it sounds like to me. Like one guitar cut out and now we're just listening to a single guitar. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I wonder if they were if they were just like, oh, we need to make the the vocals, you know, more at the front or something. But um, mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's never stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly probably because I was indoctrinated into Third Eye Blind at such a young age, I've just accepted these songs for what they are and for what and they are. Yeah, yeah. B- because back then I certainly didn't have the wherewithal to think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it yeah, it never occurred to me. But that that's interesting. I, I'm. I'm kind of excited now to like listen to it like loud in headphones and like see if it totally fucking ruins it for me. Thanks, yeah. Danny. <laughs> and well, pay attention to how they play it live too. Like watch, it seems any era. I watched videos for I think all the songs of different eras of the band and they really kind of keep the tempo way faster than they do on the album. Well, is it the tempo or just like the volume? Well, no, the tempo is faster, and then the volume doesn't go down a little bit at that when the vocals come in. They just keep it. And he, what's the fucking singer's name? Uh, Stephen Jenkins. Stephen Jenkins? Jenkins? He sings a lot with a lot more uh, uh, gusto, if you will. I don't know. I will. (laughs) He sings with a lot more oomph than he does on on the album when they play it live. Okay, so what do you think about the chorus of this song? I do like the chorus. I like the way he sings, um, even in the kind of quiet part, as it's going away from the quiet part and, and picking up tempo and all that. 
He says, I can't let this narcolepsy slide. I always like the the delivery of that line for some reason. I don't know. There's, I feel like in every, almost every song here that you gave me, he's got one or two lines where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the exact way to deliver that line. And then there's a lot where I feel like if this were another <laughs> band. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the chorus is great. I feel like, so, so after you gave me this band, I think we were texting and I had said that I, I actually know a lot of people, people that I like respect their musical tastes and whatnot that, that do really like this band. And so like my friend, Matt Maxwell, when he, he, we lived together for a little while um, <clears throat> and I remember him playing this album and, and talking about Third Eye Blind a lot and I just being like, oh, this is stupid. I'm going to go hide in my room. <laughs> but then like my uh, another friend, my friend Harjeet, I remember him and I asked him and my and Cody if they liked him and they both said Cody was more on the like, yeah, I kind of like him and Harjeet was like quoting song lyrics and shit. So, yeah, I I do know a lot of people that like this band and I can I can see why especially if any of these people listened to them when this album came out because I can see how it's a little bit different. It, it really seems like this band, and I don't know if it's just this album, really had an influence on some of the later third wave emo stuff, like like Taking Back Sunday or Saves the Days, Stay What You Are album. I can like pick out parts or, or things where, uh, for example, when he's singing how'd you like to be alone and drowning or how does it feel to be alone and drowning or whatever yeah yeah i could easily hear saves a day or taking back sunday or fucking even like my chemical romance like singing that line in a slightly different way and it fitting perfectly i can totally hear that being like a tbs like crowd like joins in and sings along type of thing yeah even the way the taking back sunday guy sings Sometimes I can hear maybe he took a lot of or a fair amount of influence from from uh, I, why can't Stephen Jenkins just in the way he he uses his voice. So, yeah, I can see how this would be like a big influence on on things like that. You know, what's funny is I think it's undeniable that this band had to have had influence on popular artists of the past four, 15, 20 years. Yeah, I could also see where none of those artists are going to admit it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And that, I mean, that's not even a joke, but I just don't think it's cool to say, you know, if you're um, Adam Lazara, you're going to say, yeah, my, my like my big influence was Third Eye Blind. Like you, you probably aren't because you're going to have a lot of fans or people in that scene like just trash you for it. Yeah, because I feel like if you are going to like, you know, Taking Back Sunday or or some band that was influenced by Third Eye Blind, maybe they're going to mention some like, you know, quote unquote cool bands first. And they would maybe in passing real quick be like Third Eye Blind and then move on. Right. <laughs> what do you think about the like, OK, the song kind of has like a false ending, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? So there's that pause and then it starts up again with like kind of back to that beginning guitar tone, but it's it's almost like it's it's its own thing. Like it, it could even be an interlude. Like there's no reason it has to be part of narcolepsy, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think about that part? It didn't bother me so much in this song. I feel like most of these songs have something like that. The last song definitely does. 
but yeah, we'll get we'll get to them. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, this one I don't mind. I feel like I forgot about it too because I listened to it a few times and then I started watching some live videos and I was kind of taken aback with kind of the way they play the ending of the song live or what should be maybe the ending. I don't know. But when they're doing that, how'd you like to be alone and drowning part over and over and all the live videos I saw back from like 98 and like more recent ones they pick up the tempo each time they say that to where it's really fast toward the end. I kind of don't like it, but it's kind of interesting. And then it stops and it's silent. And then they start into, into the little outro part where they play the chorus again. And But yeah, I, I don't mind it so much on this song, especially the recorded version. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's no way to recreate that really well mm-hmm. live. I just love the, I love that like, that guitar tone they have um, and the like super high background vocals that are in that mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought, again, like, yes, this is like very like sugary pop rock, but mm-hmm. I just think it's like this cool little extra thing that they didn't have to do. You know, I mean, this song wasn't a radio hit, but it kind of seems like they're trying to have all their songs be at least radio hit ready. <laughs> Shall they be yeah. called upon? And yeah. like this isn't something you put on a maybe this wouldn't make the radio edit, but it's like it's just I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool little extra thing that I always like get excited about when it's like, oh, we're done. No, mm-hmm. we're not. Yeah, this they also kind of make me think had they not become successful, they could have easily been like the house band at your local bar in San Francisco or something. Right. Just the way the songs go through the different motions where there's the slow part and then it gets fast and then um, it kind of gets faster, faster, faster and then gets slow again. And just kind of the the motions they go through, especially on this song, it just made me feel like this could easily be just a bar band that's, you know, come see us every second Thursday at the, you know, whatever the fucking bar is in San Francisco be- because you feel like their songs are like like such crowd pleasers, maybe that might be it. Like, well, or I, I guess I'm just, I mean, because I know what people say when they're like, "Oh, they sound like a bar band." It's almost kind of like mm-hmm. a, a genre of music, and I don't really think that Third Eye Blind falls into that. But mm-hmm. but is, is that what you mean? Like, you think the, they're the genre of bar band, or is it something else? No, not necessarily a genre, I guess. And it's mainly this song. I don't know. I could just see this being just kind of a band that just is doing this for fun. You know, maybe they were trying to make it at first and and they just ended up being a bar band. So, yeah, not like bar rock or bar punk or, or some bullshit like that. Right. But just for some reason, this song in particular to me just kind of like made me feel like, I could definitely see being at a bar, drinking my water, <laughs> and having this band be on, and most of the crowd ignoring them. And that's not um, meant to be an insult. No, no, no. I, I hear you. Um, I'm sure we'll get to insults later. Um, <laughs> did you did you do any research on um, Stephen Jenkins, like, personally? Uh, no, 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 not really. Just curious. How old do you think he was when this album came out? I'm going to say 25. 
33. Okay. Which for some reason, I can just see you like shoving all of your notes off your desk and be like, this changes everything. <laughs> it it makes sense. Yeah. Kind of based on his stage presence. He's got some some old guy stage presence. <laughs> Well, we're not talking about this song, but Semi-Charmed Life, their big hit. It's just funny to think of, oh, that was a 33-year-old who was, well, and who knows when they wrote these songs, because it's your first album, sure. so they might have had you know yeah. 15 years worth of material to pick from. No, they, but, they didn't. I did I did look into that kind of stuff. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. But, um, so like he's, you know, 33, singing, she comes around and she goes down on me. Like that is, <laughs> that that is a 22-year-old's lyric. Yeah, it's a 22-year-old's lyric, or it's a 33-year-old trying to be a 22-year-old's lyric. Right, and oh, buddy, I we have we have a lot to talk about um, in that regard. <laughs> okay. it, is is there okay. anything else you want to say about narcolepsy? Uh, no, I like this one though. Okay, um, wh- what do you think about it as the opener of this playlist? Good, especially with that uh, American football guitar tone that we get out of it, and it kind of shows the different sides of the band and stuff. Because it, you know, it it's got the the clean, quiet part. It's got the fast part. Oh, he does he does these weird falsetto like yelps and whoops and stuff in the background at one point in the song, like toward the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In another song, he does like a weird like kind of bullshit thing. No, that's the fucking stand it. Yeah, it's it's fucking great. I hate it. It's so good. Wee, like, boo, it, wee. <laughs> I, I don't like it when you do saying. it too. <laughs> Who gives a shit what he's saying? <laughs> <laughs> if if like the lyrics we know aren't great, so who <laughs> let's let 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 the lyrics die in the background. That's fine. I think these like, lyrics oh, are good. I like these lyrics. Actually, yeah, this song's lyrics are pretty good. Though I don't think he wrote these. I think Kevin Cottigan wrote these. Uh, um, okay. Oh yeah, Cottigan did write these. Okay. <laughs> um, when when Jenkins writes lyrics, um, he talks about doing crystal meth and getting blowies, and um, <laughs> and I mean, and sometimes he gets political too, which is always fun. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, so. I'll never get the opportunity to talk to Stephen Jenkins. And to be honest, I don't know if I would want to, but I think if I, I did, even though he has all these, uh, these flaws that we just talked about, I, I love him now and I'll love him forever. And I'll just let him know, Stephen, I'll never let you go. So before you say anything about this song, mm-hmm. I want to say I really did not. I didn't really want to give you this song. I was surprised I, you did because obviously I know this one. Right. The reason I gave it to you is because I really wanted to talk about that video where he specifically oh, talks about yes. the guitar for this song. And I was oh, like, the guitar. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the video for the song. But yes, I absolutely want to talk about that guitar video too. Yes. So I sent Danny a video. It's like a seven minute video filmed, I think, in the late 90s. It's been on YouTube for almost that long. Like it's it was a very early YouTube video. 
Um, it was it was filmed on a rotary phone. It uses a bunch of like like I think you texted me about the like or maybe it was during our last record you mentioned it like some of the yeah, angles during our last recording. Yeah, it's like the, the camera. The camera is just, just like, like tilting back and forth, moving and doing these like Dutch angles and shit. Yes. Oh my god. Let's fucking get or let's get Orson Welles to direct Stephen Jenkins teaching us power chords. It is the most stereotypically 90s thing you could possibly do. It's just like, <laughs> hey, you're cinematographer. You're not working on the real world right now. Come work <laughs> on this video. Um, yeah, because he's just sitting on a couch the entire time. And they're like, we got to keep this fucking camera moving to make this interesting. And then I just feel like he doesn't know what he's talking about the whole time. Nope, he is. He's doing what we're doing right now. He's doing what I do when I'm trying to like make a pun out of a song. He's like, if I keep talking, I'm gonna say something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my god, it was it was painful to get through, and I was just laughing the entire time. It is a <laughs> hilarious and rough watch. Okay, so I guess we can talk about the song because, like, I've, I feel we're obligated to. So, oh. Before we talk about the song, before we talk about the song, in the guitar video and in the music video and the video I watched of them on Jay Leno playing this song, uh, does this guy look like a Paul Rudd character or not? Because he could, Paul Rudd could play him in the biopic that happens in 10 years. Um, oh, boy. Um, well, there, I think they're... They're almost exactly the same age. I think Stephen yeah, Jenkins. Yeah, I know, but Paul Rudd doesn't age. That's true. Um, so yeah, at, I could see it a little yeah, bit. Look I at can the see it video, a little. Like the video you sent me or the video, like you don't have to watch it, obviously, but like just some stills from that video and the like goofy, way too 90s floppy haircut he has. Yeah, well, he was like one like haircut removed away from being Rob Thomas. Yeah. Like yeah. they are very, they're very close. They're the same <laughs> and, person. And this is the same band, right? <laughs> yeah. I love Third Eye Blind when they play with Santana. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. No, they, I mean, they were totally like enveloped in that cliche 90s aesthetic. But okay. I, I'm just going to fucking say it. Okay. okay. Like this Do is it. one of the main things I wanted to talk about. Do it. So not Rob Thomas, not Paul Rudd. Do you know what type or whose vibes I get from Stephen Jenkins? Who? Tom DeLonge. Oh, okay, okay, yes. He gives me the different Mm genres-ish, close to the same era, Mm -hmm. but just their vibe of wanting to be rock stars, wanting to be cool, playing to the camera during the Leno and Letterman um, appearances. The way they, I mean, think about the Pursuit of Tone video from Tom. Uh And he's like talking about like, yeah, I'm writing like a nursery rhyme. And then listening to Stephen Jenkins go, it's about the space you leave in between the chords. It's like (laughs) they're giving you the same nonsense. It's the same energy. It's the same energy, and yet somehow both are very talented pop songwriters. Yeah, yeah. And they, they like, I don't really believe in being born with it, 
but it doesn't seem like those guys have like learned a thing. So no. maybe they've just had it since birth. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to send you a link for a video and I hope it doesn't cause uh, our Zoom to crash. But even if it does, just watch like the first minute, maybe 90 seconds of the video. Uh, and maybe you've already watched. Oh, you probably haven't watched this because it's not a song I gave you, but it's a song you know, so it's not cheating. Okay. But I, I just have this song um, and then I just wrote, major tom vibes yeah just on that the still that's major tom vibes (laughs) the still hold let me pause this the still in the text that you sent me him standing there with that guitar looks like tom DeLonge. that could easily be tom DeLonge with that stupid big hollow but hollow body (laughs) guitar i can't with the fucking racing stripe yeah i if there's a a freemason symbol on there i'm gonna lose it (laughs) <laughs> it's just doot doot doots instead of na na na's so did you did you see the um the guy that did this song as if blink 182 did the song yes yes i did <laughs> it's fucking perfect right i actually didn't like it that much what yeah i i oh my god i loved it i'm sorry okay. that guy that are, are you canadian now you said that sorry in a very what? Canadian way. God, um, I get called out for that so much. Like, I there's three <laughs> words I like. I say sorry. I say, I say tomorrow. Um, there's something else that like fucking people give me shit for, and it's like just leave me alone. <laughs> um, but yes, absolute Tom DeLonge vibes. Just the the way he bounces around on stage like that. Um, his his stance when he's singing isn't very Tom. But, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like the same, not aware of how dorky he is and thinks he's so cool. And really needs the attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get to the part where he puts the guitar to his side and yeah, starts he constantly does that. It's, he does that and, all the time. It's so hard to watch when he starts. It, it Maybe it's just in, it's mostly in this song, but he does like almost like, really like stupid white guy mocking rap type of things with his hands. You know what I mean? Where he's like pointing to the side and he's like, I'm packed and I'm holding. And it's like, Oh dude, you got to holster that finger. Yeah. He does that all the time and it doesn't ever make sense. (laughs) So this song, it's not, I, it's not a bad song. I just don't ever need to hear it again. Yeah. There are some things that I like about it, bits and pieces. There's like a little synthy thing in the background, like a doot 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 or something like that. Now I just have semi charm life stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a little like kind of lo-fi sounding synthy thing in the background that I like. But yeah, it's just kind of a I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I don't want to say it's a nothing song because it's it's obviously good. It's obviously catchy because it instantly is stuck in your head. But I could easily go the rest of my life without ever hearing it again and be totally fine. Right. And that's why I struggled with putting it on because, yes, it is a well-written, well-executed, like, hey, yeah, you guys, you nailed writing this pop song. But it's not one of those songs of theirs to me that's like, and I recoil saying this, but that's special to me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like this song was always just one of their big hits, and it was like, mm, I'm gonna pass, and I'm gonna listen to like the the deeper cuts, which. Again, yeah. I know. That, see, I, I I totally understand why no one says Third Eye Blind is a big influence because just saying that I I like Third Eye Blind deep cuts makes me want to <laughs> it, like I'm gonna go like take a warm bath and we'll see if I ever get out of it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a song for Jamba Juice. You know, just I don't know why that's my go-to. But <laughs> yeah, man, how much are you going to Jamba Juice? <laughs> I haven't Daily. been to a Jamba Juice in like 15 years. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just one of those songs that you hear over the the speakers at that, you know, whatever juice location you're at. Um, <laughs> it, it's fine. It, I feel like they really milk the chorus. The, the chorus happens like, I don't know, four times or something. Um, mm-hmm. They do like the the like breakdown chorus where it's just like, just the guitar and maybe like some some symbols like just keeping the tempo or whatever um and then it picks back up into the normal chorus and which is fine i mean if you're gonna have a chorus like that and you want it to get stuck in people's heads go for it why not right and i do like the little the guitar part the like slidey like that guitar part thingy is that's kind of that's kevin man that's that's the Kevin magic that, uh, unfortunately, like, I think, um, oh, I don't know enough about the music industry, but, like, song rights or whatever fucking started this big argument, and then he was, like, booted, basically. Man. Yeah. Sucks. And yeah. I don't I don't think that guy's ever really done anything, uh, like, super notable since, which sucks, because he's he's got something in him. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I hear what you're saying about it kind of being a nothing song. Like, it's very, like, even the chorus, which is good and is catchy, but it's, like, kind of this, like, mid-tempo, like, it, it's pleasant. Everything is just yeah. pleasant. It's, you know? Yeah. But it's not, like, I would not ever say that this song rips dick. <laughs> no. I think that's the not. best way I could put it. <laughs> yeah. I do, what do you think about, t- towards the end of the song where it's, like, that, um, softer, you know, and all our friends are gone and gone. That part, you know, um, mm-hmm. like that. Even though that's kind of like the mellowest, nothing is part of the song. You know, it, it, aside from the um, the chord progression and that little guitar hook you were talking about, I do think that is kind yeah. of the like the one like kind of cool third eye blind part that they have in this song um, that makes it maybe a little different or elevates it a little bit over just like other big radio rock of the time. Like, what did you think about that part? Yeah. I mean, that part was, is fine. Fine. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. That's what you can. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. Um, Except for why is there a random half wrapped verse at the end of the song where he's using a different tone of voice? Yeah. Cause 'Cause I hate it. Because it was the late '90s. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that that kind of just ruins the whole song for me. It's more. It's a little more spoken word than rap. But it, I yeah, I, it kind of starts as a rap kind of thing a little bit, but then he just yeah starts going into the spoken word kind of 
aspect of it. But yeah, he's doing the like finger pointing thing when he's yeah. singing that part, like on all of the live videos I watch. Everything he does, yeah. like Tom, he's just like, <laughs> I, I am nailing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what he's, what he's confidence a big poser. He does, and I don't mean that in the in the other definition of the the word. He poses at the end of songs and stuff like that, or like during different parts of the song, he does these poses, and it's so annoying. Yeah, you can see him do that um, in that video I sent you where they do semi charmed life on Letterman. Like, oh, I'm he's sure, very, I'm sure. very, very. He's always aware of the camera. Right. Mm-hmm. How am I going to look? Do I want to look at it? Do I want to play coy or whatever? Yeah. Um, so back in probably like, oh, seven, I saw at Arco, I saw Taking Back Sunday and Angels and Airwaves, two bands that have sort of already come up on this episode. Yeah. It was my one and only time ever seeing Tom perform live. Okay. And I'm sure... You've probably heard people talk about this. It Angels and Airwaves, you I have you ever even seen like a live video of them? Um, I think clips, like maybe a little okay. bit, just because of 155, but but yeah, not right. not really. So back then at least, he would do this thing, Tom, with his fucking like hair, like longish hair, like plastered down over one of his eyes. He mm-hmm. you know, big into his like Atticus phase still (laughs) yes he 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 would let the guitar hang to his side Uh extend his arms like perpendicular from his body and like Mm -hmm. do this like like a plane like Like a jesus pose sort of but he was kind of more being because everything's so like aeronautical and space and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So I always thought of it as like, he's fucking being a plane right now. <laughs> um, In and his head, so it's it, just like, whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, I don't know what it is about these dudes, but they, yeah, they got to strike a pose. Yeah, because some like awful like uh, live video I watched and it was just them like in a studio mm-hmm. with no audience, you know, and it was on the like uh, little logo at the bottom was A&E. Like, I don't know what they were playing on that what aired on A&E. No, that's but I was going to say A&E is actually Tom bought a, a network and it's Angels and Error Waves. Uh, good job. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, it's just them playing. And at, and at the end of this song, after he does his little verse at the end, he does like this pose where he's like points at the camera and just like this little like snar- snide look on his face. And I could, just, I could just see him like doing the, the rock devil horns and like sticking his tongue out. You know, that's like the epitome of this guy. He's just like, <laughs> right. Like thinking that like, he is like single-handedly like keeping rock alive. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just doing that and then being like thinking in his head, it was so badass. I I can't <laughs> remember ever seeing him actually do that, but it totally is something he would do. I was gonna say it's like he, he'll like strike these poses like at the end of his song like not realizing that they didn't like, Hey man, we're still filming. Like we didn't just like cut. So like you're just sitting, you're just standing here motionless. Like, you know what I mean? Like looking like a fucking tool. Um, 
yeah, yeah, n- yeah, yeah. Not hard to believe this guy has an ego that would um, force out possibly the most talented member of the band. Yeah, yeah. That's too bad. So you know how you kind of called me out for saying sorry? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I guess that makes me Canadian, right? Um, sure. If I was actually Canadian, do you know what I would say? <laughs> I do, but why don't you tell me? I would say thanks a lot. It's true. It's true. They're a polite and people. sorry <laughs> and sorry. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot. Off of their self-titled album from 1997. Do you know this song? Um, actually, actually won an award. I did not know that. Yeah, it's uh, worst pick slide ever recorded in a song. <laughs> Where do you think he keeps that on his mantle? <laughs> Probably next to a picture of himself. <laughs> picture of himself not understanding the award as he gladly accepts it. Yes. To yes. all of my haters. Well, yeah, I, I really hate the pick slide at the beginning. I don't like this. You're just like, hey, you know these songs you've always liked? <laughs> okay, so when I was going back, when it was about to happen, I was like, oh no, is it going to be like a narcolepsy where... I never heard something like for what it is. Like I thought like I was going to listen back and it was going to be like just a, like a, a technical fuck up. Like he didn't, like it was just like he missed the strings or something. Um, <laughs> you just don't like that they do it or what? No, if they put a pick slide in there and it didn't sound like that, uh, then cool. It's very slow. It's like a, it's like a long. It is a slow, slow pick slide, and it's I don't it's something about it. It's the um, it's the sound that's happening in in uh, this guy's head when he does one of those poses. He has like a Kevin Arnold type of inner monologue, um, where, where <laughs> so in Stephen Jenkins' head, Daniel Stern is like rock on, and then there's like a. <laughs> And they could have they could have easily put the you know they do the pick slide and in the background it's like he does at the end of the song you're not wherever the fuck he does that you're not doing it right okay you do fucking show show I I do not possess Stephen Jenkins's ego meaning I don't think I could ever fucking do that I think like how Tom. This this Tom narrative is not going away, by the way. That's like 80% of why. It's perfect. (laughs) Thank you. That's literally 80% of why I wanted to talk about this band. Um, (laughs) Because we we accept Tom um, despite a whole lot of shit that is not okay. (laughs) Like, um, or no, I shouldn't say not okay. Like he's canceled, which is shocking. Mm -hmm. But um, it's shocking that he's not canceled. (laughs) You were were famous in the 90s. You have to be canceled. Um, (laughs) But like, there's just so much where it's like, 
oh, Tom, you gotta, dude, you, oh, fine. And like, we just let him get, get away with all this shit. And so I think, I think maybe we can find it in our hearts to accept Stephen Jenkins' weird vocal flourishes or whatever you want to call that. Um, okay, I don't want to skip skip ahead to that part yet, but I, I do have something to say okay, about that okay, later. Okay. Do you think, after having listened to this song, however many times you listened to it, do you think this was a weird or even bad choice to put on the playlist? No, I mean, this this song's fine. It's uh, It grew on me, which I didn't realize until I was looking at my notes just now. Like you didn't realize you had written that down? Like I forgot that I didn't like it at first. Oh, okay. So let's hear what are those uh, early listening notes. Okay. So I still hate the pick slide, but I really didn't like his voice for some reason on the first couple listens, but it actually kind of grew on me. And now I kind of like his voice on the verses for this one, not the chorus. I don't like the chorus. We'll get to that. Mm. Um, yeah, his voice on the verses, I apparently didn't like. I don't remember. I wrote, I kind of hate his voice on this one, or maybe just the lyrics. Um, I do hate the lyrics of the like bridge part where he says, fire in your thighs. That just <laughs> makes me cringe. It's when he tries to use his like smooth, sexy voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just listening to it. Well, um, a little while ago and yeah, the, especially the first verse, I just really like the way he presents those lines for, for whatever reason. Same thing on the, the chorus of the first song. He, sometimes he just does something like, okay, I'm, I'm hearing this now. And yeah, that's, that's the perfect way to, to sing those lines. That's, that's the way you should do it. And, and if he did, had done it any other way, or used his sultry voice or his his faux rap voice or whatever. His fuck me voice. Terrible. His his fuck me voice. Yeah. Um. Just for for the record, I'm I'm sorry to to butt in here, but for the record, the line is "I'm the fire in your flies, not thighs." Wait, so that's wait. What really? According to two sources that I've just looked up. I'm the fear in your eyes. I'm the fire in your flies. I'm the sound that's buzzing around your head. And so flies, buzzing, so now it, kind of connects. So now it went from gross to being just dumb. Yeah, I'm the fire in your flies doesn't make any goddamn sense, but... <laughs> it's fuck? It's better than, than thighs, man. I don't think so. I think I'd rather have it be fire in your thighs. No, no, no. <laughs> You just canceled oh, yourself, God. buddy. Either way, I know I did. Either way, it's just ugh. So okay, going back to the verses. So I I could see how the way he starts the verses with, um, like the first lines are both are are not well. The second line's bad. The all hands on deck boys because mm-hmm. of the ship was made to sink. Like, eh, that I could ugh. do with it. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe I just like the first verse. Well, so the first half of both verses, he uses a different voice than on the second half of the verses when he says, mm-hmm. I woke you up and I slit the throat of your confidence. First of all, I think that's a cool line. I think I love that line. That That's cool. And the way he delivers it, I think, is different than, oh, hands on deck. Like he uses this like kind of like tougher type of 
voice or something, and then he mm-hmm. softens mm-hmm. up for slit the throat of your confidence. So on on a genius, I just uh, clicked on the annotation for that line, and it's it's a whatever annotation, but there's a picture of him doing prayer hands, of course. Wait, what what line? The, the, the throat I, I woke you up and slit the throat of your confidence. Oh God. And he's wearing a scarf. It and it looks like. like he's doing like a little kissy face. Too. <laughs> like he's kissing the, his prayer hands. He, no, he, he's like. <laughs> he has, you can't see it, but he has a blade of grass. He's trying to do that thing kids do where they make a blade of grass whistle. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. All hands on deck boys. Cause this ship is made to sink. Jesus. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. That's that's bad. No, the first part of the first verse lyrically is fine. It's all in your mind, yeah. she said, the darkness and the light. That's all fine. It's really that one um that deck line is not good. Mm-hmm. It reminds me uh this is also embarrassing. This reminds me of a senses fail song where the whole thing is like this really forced um like pirate metaphor or analogy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh god, and he talks yeah. about like yeah, walking the plank and all, yeah, all hands on deck and oh, it's just it's uh-huh. it's rough. It is rough. Okay, but so slit the throat of your confidence is cool, but you don't like the chorus. Uh, I don't. I mean, all he's saying is thanks a lot, thanks a lot. You don't even know thanks a lot. It's just in that falsetto voice and yeah, whatever. Sounds like the nineties. Do you not find it catchy? It's catchy. When we just took a little pee break a little bit ago, a little behind the curtains there for everybody, when I came back, I said, hey, are you back, Dante? Oh, he's not. Okay, I'm going to listen to Thanks a Lot real quick before I Uh, remind myself. Yeah, it sounds great. So yeah, it's catchy. I'm not saying it's not catchy. It's just, who cares? There's nothing to that chorus. It's just the title of the song. (laughs) Okay, so if they had titled the song... All hands on deck, then you'd think the chorus is better <laughs> because it's not the title. <laughs> no, it would have to be all hands on deck, boys. Boys. Um, I don't know, man. I think you can. I mean, obviously, you can like or dislike whatever you want for whatever reason you want. The argument that, oh, there's not enough substance in the chorus to me is like. I mean, uh, yeah, you can have a chorus that just says the name of the song title. And adds not necessarily anything to the lyrics or story if you're trying to tell a story or whatever. But I don't know. It's just like, for me, it's just like, whatever. Thanks a lot. Okay, next song. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. To, to me, like, again, this is just further proof of, like, the divide and maybe what we look for in some songs. Um, or actually, I think more specifically, I, I think you actively look for things in songs at least lyrically maybe mm-hmm. and i i don't i will take them as they come mm-hmm. you know but to me i'm just like oh this is kind of vague and and broad and i'm more than okay with that all right so should we get to your favorite part of the song here uh if we must all right hon let me let me cue it up
know, man. Yeah, it's not good. You just think it's too ridiculous? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so is the, the like, flangy tone on that bass. <laughs> I will say that high little guitar part, mm-hmm. I think it happened before, but it reminds me a little bit of Creed's higher. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Aren't you getting a little bit of that? And, and that's all right. I mean, that's a hook. What do you think about the piano? I didn't notice it until just now. Really? Oh, wow. I was See, probably I, I love... still going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, next time you listen to it, which I'm assuming will be immediately after we record, finish recording this, um, yeah. you got to let the piano add a little bit to it. <laughs> What's that? Okay. <laughs> all right. Let me, okay. Again, to talk about sports, I know how much you like that. Are you familiar with what happens every time a new batsman comes to the plate in American baseball? <laughs> um, this is not a pun. This is not a pun. We're not going anywhere yet. Okay, okay. The person walks up to, to bat. That's what happens. Yes, he walks up. Now batting... Number three for your San Francisco Giants, Dante Jeffrey. That's a fucking walk-up jam. <laughs> so is that your walk-up jam? That yep. <laughs> when I'm playing, uh, when I'm playing softball. <laughs> Um, when I get fired from my job and have time to play rec league softball, that's going to be the walk up. I'm just, I'm <laughs> scrolling back right now to see how much I fucking like s- just destroyed the, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a fat wave. Um, time that pretty good though. I mean, yeah. have I done yeah. that before yeah. while driving? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Every time I listen to the song. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I listen to the song, I listen to it, uh, one and a half times. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Did, I mean, that must have uh, increased your enjoyment of the song. <laughs> sure, I will absolutely think of that every single time. And and you specifically mean single time? Yes, yes. <laughs> Whew, I'm a little kind of lightheaded, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um. All right. Anything left to say about? baseball classic song thanks a lot (laughs) no no i don't have anything else to say about this one um all right yeah all right we got two more sure i will wait (laughs) wait on keep thinking about that pun okay not much of a pun hey danny when you edit this later i'll give you I'll Venmo you a dollar if you can tell me what this sound effect is from. One American dollar could be yours. Hello. Hey. Hey, just had to go drink some non-dairy creamer.
for breakfast make a young student sicken did you ever think someone's tricking you i like how you just like there's no fucking around you're like let's just i guess we have to do this <laughs> all right what do you got what do you got buddy come on um i just got uh I got a page of genius lyrics open of just the best goddamn American poetry anybody's ever heard. <laughs> oh, this this song. So the song Non-Dairy Creamer by Third Eye Blind. Is that how we're getting into this one? Danny? I don't really have anything for this. It was a very Sam Sutherland way to, to present it as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. We don't have to go into that, but okay. <laughs> here's the thing. This this song doesn't even need a pun. It doesn't need anything like even approaching on clever to yeah. get into it. I just want to like mute my mic, step out of the way, and just let you go, Danny. <laughs> the floor is yours. Okay. The kick certainly sounds like ass, doesn't it? Where'd you go, Dante? Did you really leave? God damn it, Dante. What? There you are. I never went anywhere. I just, I told you I was going to mute myself and get out of the way. That's all I want. No, that's too much pressure. Oh, God. All right. So anyway, the fifth song. <laughs> so the, the kick sounds like pretty, like pretty like muffled and weak. Yeah, it sounds terrible. It's the worst kick sound I've ever heard in my life. Well, that's most people's problem with this song. It's the kick drum <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure so the lyrics are fucking stupid but i feel like it's on purpose right i mean it's hard again like with tom it's hard to know what is like knowingly winking at the camera we're in on the joke and what is i think this is smart and clever and fun yeah like i i i'm sure there's some of both in this song it is is it's extremely david brent Hmm. I think I disagree. I think David Brent would not have so many like blatant like pop culture references. Like I think he would try to make it more poetic. Hmm. And like and fail. Like it would still be bad. So is it, it be, more Michael Scott then? Maybe. I I, I think because this doesn't come across as pretentious. And I think David Brent's would be like pretentious. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's just, I don't get it. The young gay Republicans part made me laugh. <laughs> In what kind of way? That's when I was like, okay, maybe he's doing this on purpose. Because two young gay Republicans is funny. Because Republicans tend to not like gay people. But see, is it funny? Like, you wouldn't read it and think it's funny, right? No, but like I don't in the think context so. of a. So is it funny, like because it's funny, or is it funny because you were like, this is not how I thought this part of the song was going to go. Like you didn't see it coming, type of thing. I didn't see it coming, and so it made me laugh. But not, but but because you thought it was like a good quote unquote punchline, not because it was like so insane. Yeah, it was definitely like a punchline. Wow, I think that is. I am shocked. I think it is like the cringiest part of almost any song I've ever heard. Like I've been listening to this playlist quite a bit the past few days. 
and uh-huh, I will uh-huh. like scrub past that part because I'm just like oh, I just can't. <laughs> I don't know that for some reason that's my favorite part of the song. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's it's so ridiculous, and it's kind of funny. I mean, maybe I just. Do you think he's singing it earnestly or I can't tell. as a joke? I absolutely right. cannot tell. the The lyrics are a fucking roller coaster. Like even this verse is a roller coaster. Talking about two gay guys got married and it brought the family to its knees. How they do it, I'll tell you now. They brought marriage to an end. Like what the fuck? And he found the culprits, two young gay Republicans. Like, I, d- I don't understand. But it makes me chuckle because of, like, the harms that, that they sing it with. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He's belting it out. Oh, yeah. it's This song is, is something else, buddy. <laughs> I, I can't believe that's the one part of this song you, like, want to defend. I think that's the part where everyone's like... It might be listenable if it wasn't for that one <laughs> fucking like sing along part that is like, yeah. And wow. Wow. I'm so glad I did this band because <laughs> I am blown away. Oh, so. <laughs> so, okay. So a few days ago, I, I sent you a uh, textual message uh, with a image. And that image was of me holding a bag of hot Cheetos. With, <laughs> and the message just said breakfast. Yes. And you you then sent me a picture of your, uh, of your literally, non-dairy creamer. Mm-hmm. And so like, okay, he has, I know he's listened to the song at least once. <laughs> like, it was, I, was, I was kind of trying to test you there. Um, I'm assuming you had never heard of the song. You didn't know anything about it or its existence, no, yeah, right? absolutely not. So the song starts, it has just like a nice, I mean, nice, I don't know what you think about it, but like just normal guitar intro, Mm -hmm. right? And then the lyrics start, they call it KFC because it's not really chicken. Hot Cheetos for breakfast make a young student sick. That's probably enough to make you go, huh? Huh? Like... Like, at what point were you like, what am I listening to? I just, I'm sorry, I'm like reading the lyrics and I just, it's, I just don't know. I don't know. It's so, like, how did this happen? How were they, any, anyone in the band or producer or label executive, like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it. So it's not on an album. Yeah, it's on a single. Yeah, it was just like a single. I think, so they had an album in 09 or 10 called Ursa Major. And I think this Mm -hmm. was on like a four song EP called, well, so here's the thing. There was, there's some revisionist history or maybe that like Mandela effect thing going on. Cause I thought this was on a EP called Ursa Minor. And then when I was looking for it and I could not find the existence of this EP, I found that there was going to be an, or no, no, I'm sorry. The album is Ursa Minor. Maybe. See, I'm already fucking lost. But anyway, there was going to be a counterpart, a second album that was named the one that I, that doesn't already exist. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I couldn't find the existence of this EP. So maybe, but I, I remember listening to this song when it came out and I didn't go out and buy <laughs> the single. So I don't know <laughs> I how I can cross it. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't hate the song, but um, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's not, here's the thing though. It's not all a joke. Like in the first verse, he says, some kid walks into my school and opens fire. It's not super funny. Like, so I do think he's trying to like get some political punches in there. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to tell if it's an attempt at that or if this is just a big joke. Well, it could be a big joke regardless of what he was trying to do. Yeah, it is a big joke regardless of what he's trying to do. The fucking, a new love is burning up for me because one in four American girls has an STD. What the fuck? Okay, so that actually is pretty funny. And that is a Tom line. That is a Tom line. Ugh. Yeah, Tom, Tom would absolutely make a burning, ST, like a burning P STD joke, 100%. I don't yeah. think he would he he wouldn't do heard any good jokes lately cuz we sure do need them. My punk band's <laughs> called Operation Iraqi Freedom. <laughs> which I'm like I'm getting goosebumps saying that and not in the good way. And then the outro <laughs> of just I, I to be honest I kind of like this. The the outro sing along of mission accomplished. Yeah, that part I didn't I didn't it's, hear that the first couple times I listened to it. Uh Oh really? And, yeah, and then I then I finally heard it, and that made me laugh out loud too. Like you didn't hear it, like you didn't recognize what he was saying. Yeah, I didn't recognize what he was saying. Like I I think that's genuinely funny, and 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 again, this song is not without catchy parts. Like I I think the chorus is catchy. It's kind of thin, but I think it's yeah, kind of catchy. Um, and that the like main guitar line that intros and plays right after the chorus, like. Like, it's a, a fine, pretty catchy guitar line. Yeah, this one is just... I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about it. It's just fucking weird. It it really is. Um, yeah, I, I don't even... Why, why non-dairy creamer? Like, I understand, like, it's fake, quote-unquote fake, mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not real to him. But there's a lot of things that are fake. Like, I wonder how he landed on non-dairy creamer. Because it's... There's no rhyme, he, right? He doesn't rhyme creamer with anything. Yeah, so it's yeah, not yeah. like he So Yeah, I I don't know. There's like there's no explanation for this song. Yeah. It's it's like he he came up with the line, what's it going to are you real to me? And then he's like, "Hmm. Are you or real are to you? me? What's not real? Non-dairy creamer." <laughs> and then like the drummer was like well, non-dairy creamer is like real like it exists yeah 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 <laughs> and then that guy got he kicked out of the band he could have easily said like craft singles <laughs> yeah <laughs> or something like that <laughs> absolutely but, um yeah mm, so, song idea um <laughs> so okay so you read the back and forth uh <laughs> in that article i sent you that he had um with stereo gum oh shit so it didn't work. I clicked the link to his response and it gave me a, a dead link. What? Yeah. Let me try to open it, it on my I'm, computer right now. Yeah. Like it worked for me is what I will say. When I did it on my phone. Yeah. It says 404 page requested not found. 
What? Oh, off the link I sent you? Yeah, so the link you sent me works. And it's like the first one, first page, just kind of talking about the song and how ridiculous it is. And then at the end, it says, update, Stephen Jenkins responds. And you're supposed to click on this link. How did I get there then? Because I I read it. I read his response. Um, oh, whoa. Well, maybe you just stumbled into something else. Oh, I remember reading about this, actually. While you're searching, may I read aloud to you? Please. Jimmy Eat World spent the summer on a co-headlining tour with Third Eye Blind. But that might be it for the fellow 90s alt-rockers. Drummer Zach Lind is pretty pissed at Third Eye Blind frontman Stephen Jenkins for reasons unspecified. Their final night on tour together earlier this month ended with a bang. Lind tweeted, Stephen Jenkins is such a fucking creepy douchebag. Parentheses, I feel so much better now. I remember hearing about that and totally forgot about it until just now. Not shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Jimmy World, I believe, has toured with Blink. Probably. I wonder his feelings on <laughs> Mr. DeLong. <laughs> Possibly the same. I, th- I think, and maybe it's changed over the years as he's gotten richer and into, uh, you know, government secrets... It seems like Tom, at least when he was younger, was kind of more of a a harmless douchebag where he he would embarrass himself, you know, kind of be an ass, but not like an actively, he wasn't actively being a jerk to people. Mm -hmm. I think and hope, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So you found his response. Okay. So I did. Time for reading. Okay. The thing about music is that it brings all types of people together. And I remain astonished at the wait, capacity. Wait, 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 wait. What? Well, well. We got, we got to set this up. So Stereo Gum um, just wrote about how this song, Non-Dairy Creamer, was like the worst song of the year, right? Yes. Okay. This is Stephen J. You got to, you got to set this I'm up for the people. I forgot they aren't in my head. I mean, at this point, we haven't released any episodes, so they are in our in our heads. Yeah, but this is going to be like our tenth episode, and we we are going to be on Stereo Gum by this point. So we need to know. <laughs> they need to, to know this. we support them yes. in this feud. <laughs> yes, everybody, go give them all the clicks they need for this article. Okay, this is Stephen right. Jenkins's response to that article saying his song sucked. Okay. I'll read it in my best uh, Stephen Jenkins uh, voice. Okay. The great thing about music is it brings all types of people together. And I remain astonished at the capacity of lyrics to move things. Okay, I'm not going to continue to do that. I was picturing you at a Dutch angle, though. (laughs) Don't know why 3EB's lyrics have been so controversial in the past. Have they? Uh, they are about as racy as your current novel. Oh, okay. You don't know what I'm reading or not reading. Or writing. Or writing. Uh, most importantly, I continue to be uh, inspired by our audience, which is mostly college kids. This is in 2008. Were you in college in 2008? I was. Okay, then. This checks out. Danny the journalist (laughs) while we as a band try to move past politics I personally had been on the campaign trail 
in a grassroots fashion for many months supporting Obama, which leads me to this song. In regards to non-dairy creamer, indeed, humor is the intent, both musically and lyrically. I felt provoked and poisoned by our politics and culture in the last few years. I wanted to amplify the provocation with some irony and take a knock at some of these fear-based phrases like threat level orange. All kinds of hypocrisy in current headlines then popped into my head and I rhymed them. I meant for it to be a hoot, though I know it has some teeth. Bombastic humor being the balm to move past a pretty nasty period. Something like that. I'm not very good at talking about my own stuff. Wish I tossed some jokes in there as well. So there's no jokes in there. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> But my humor always tends towards too dry and dark. There's no topping the KFC hat. They could have their own line. So the KFC hat is in reference to the first Stereo Gum article in which there was a photo of Stephen Jenkins performing live and they photoshopped a upside down KFC hat for a hat um, because of the first line of this song. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for confirming. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, boy, his his lyrics, Hot Cheetos for Breakfast, like so like so dry and dark and mysterious mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like, whoa. I don't know. I, I stand by my uh, David Brent uh, analogy or whatever. I mean, the way he's talking about himself, sure. I don't think it matches with the actual product. I mean, talking talking about yourself like that, yeah, that's that's very David Brent. It's very Tom. It's very embarrassing. Um, and it's always one of those things where I'm like, I know I don't want to come across that way, but I am jealous of people who are so confident that they just don't realize it and they are like sticking to their guns mm-hmm. so devoutly it's like boy i would love to just have some of that like assuredness so weird all right i'm done with this song (laughs) okay well let's just see if we can forget about it and let it fade away into the background The fifth and final song, Danny, misplaced in the order of the playlist, or should should it have been here at all? No, I think it was a good song. Not my favorite, but it's better than non-dairy creamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I really put it in a position to succeed by following. You, non-dairy. you did. You, you really did. You could have put any song after that. I feel like, and yeah. And, uh, but uh, no, it was a good song. Um, again, he's got the nice, clean guitar tone that gives me kind of American football vibes. Um, so I like that, and I wanted it to kind of stay at that clean guitar tone. But they got to bring the rock. So about halfway through the song, mm-hmm. yeah, they like the second time through the chorus, they jam on the distortion. Yeah. 
If the song was five minutes of the like softer, mellower guitar tone, would it have still been a good song? Hmm. Because I think it's a good question. I, I I mean this this episode is about your thoughts on Third Eye Blind, mm-hmm. but I feel like that whole song is like, hey, like let me warm you up for about two minutes. You got to stay mm-hmm. patient. You got to mm-hmm. stay patient. It's going to happen for you. It's going to happen. And then like, boom, it hits. And it like, to me, I feel like it really pays off. Like they earned that moment. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like the little lead that they do. Um, you've never listened to the Juliana theory before, right? Oh, maybe a little. I mean, I can't remember like any songs of theirs, but I feel like that's a band that's at least come across my iTunes before. Mm-hmm. I could see them being very big Third Eye Blind fans. Hmm. So they're, uh, they were already on the list because I, I think I asked you before, but I couldn't really remember. So I'll give you some songs of them eventually. But I could easily see like Juliana Theory covering this song in... I was okay, so I was gonna say I could easily see Juliana Theory covering this song and doing it better, but I could see them covering the song and doing it better in two thousand and two. <laughs> okay, wait, but not now. But not now, because they're not that good anymore. Um, well, well, I mean, if they're covering the song, like, what do you mean? Like, they just forget? Like, the guy can't sing anymore, or what? No, they just. I, I just don't think they could pull it off now. Okay. Um, but yeah, I could see a band like Juliana Theory or, you know, something in that kind of emo pop uh, genre kind of doing a very similar song. Actually, there's one Juliana Theory song that comes to mind that kind of reminds me, especially the chord at the very, very end of the song. They're definitely taken from the third eye blind bucket or whatever you want to say <laughs> when they were they were writing their songs especially yeah. their first couple albums the third eye blind bucket mm-hmm. that was their the like fan forum back in the early 2000s <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> oh god i just wikipedia the juliana theory mm-hmm. the the picture of the singer uh oh. i do not i do not like what i'm looking at it doesn't mean they're not good, but I'm I'm thinking of like a very certain type of music and a certain type of guy when I see this. Oh, that is a bad picture of him. That is. He's a he's a, a cheesy as fuck dude, but but oh boy. I mean, not... he he looks like he's like doing like um he was part of the like he got he was really late to like the swing revival or something. <laughs> Or like lounge singing, like it just looks bad. Absolutely, he absolutely looks, looks like that. Like greasy, dyed hair, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I will not let that influence my okay, potential okay. listening of them. <laughs> yeah, actually, just listening to that song again now, I feel like this one kind of holds up for me. I think it's pretty good. Some of the lyrics are kind of meh. Like the, I walk hate street to the store. Yeah. Like that. I'm just kind of like, it's cool that it's like, you know, a reference to something that he did with his quote unquote crazy girl. (laughs) Right. 
But yeah, like some of the lyrics are meh, but I take back. If I said anything negative at the beginning, I take it back. Oh, I think you did. I don't remember what it was. But... I don't either. <laughs> oh, I well, I do remember you saying that um, it was when we were talking about narcolepsy. You were talking about how they do that like thing at the end of the songs, and you said they do it yes. on a couple ones. So that I'm um, not taking back. Okay, at the very end of this song, they hit a chord, and it's heavy, and it sounds so good, and it reminds me of the end of, or not, uh, it reminds me of a part in a Juliana Theory song, and I just wanted that shit to ring out, and it would be the perfect end of an album, or end of this playlist, mm-hmm. but then they cut the the ringing of that chord short, and they start doing this, like, Pointless little jing, twenty jing, seconds jing, 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 of strumming yeah. something, and it, it it irks me. I mean, I was again. I'm part of the third eye blind bucket, so <laughs> I'm I've been like you know fed all of the lies and propaganda for years and years. I like it. Again, I'm like ah, that's a cool choice. Um, you know, it, it, it's a cool thing that people who listen to the album will know. I, I think mm-hmm. the guitar just sounds in a vacuum. I think it sounds cool. And I don't, I don't know. I guess to me, it never really took away from the song as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think because I know the end of... So the end of Narcolepsy on the album, it has that like extra little part mm-hmm. and then a quick fade out and then it's bam, bop, 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 and it goes into semi-charmed life. So it kind of transitions really well. And I'm trying to think mm. if on the album, if the background transitions into the next song. So, I mean, so you mentioned how this like almost would be a good album closer. I feel like it could have been. Yeah. So it's the third to last song on this mm-hmm. album, but all three of those final songs could be album closers. Like, did you ever listen to Jimmy World's Chase This Light? No, I did not. Oh. Um, it's a good album. I do like that album, but they kind of do the same thing where the final three songs on that album are like, oh, they could have chosen any one of these to, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. close it. And so I really like that about this album because typically album closers are longer, um, and kind of leave more of an impression, Mm -hmm. you know? Cause like Mm -hmm. you, you choose an album closer to be the album closer for a reason. Like the other songs you're like, I don't know, somewhere in the middle, but this one needs to close it. And they have three of those songs. Um, so it was kind of hard to pick which one of those I was going to give you here. I, mm-hmm. I think the background is the, the, f- my personal favorite of the three, but, uh, yeah, I, I never thought about what would the song be like if they just ended on that, like one chord, you know, reverberating out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's my that's my main criticism, aside from some of the lyrics, like I said. But but yeah, that just for some reason, and I, I said this a similar thing on on something about one of the Joy Formidable songs. 
I just I just like a heavy guitar chord to ring out. Yeah. Yeah, you know? sure. It it's the the doom metal kind of influence, the shoegaze influence kind of stuff that I like to hear and I just want it to exist in every song, but it obviously can't. So I need to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong for wanting that. Um Thanks, Dante. Thanks a lot. You, you're oh, <laughs> No, I just got the piano in my head. I can't believe you didn't listen to the piano. See, that's why you, you don't like that song more. Maybe. It just drives that part of the song. But hey, we're not on that song. We're on the background. Oh, right. I do think some of the lyrics on this song are kind of filler. Like, yep, I walk hate street to the store. Is like, okay, I need... Well, I've already written the line that ends in before, so I need to rhyme it. And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, I got to get A to C, so I got to put B in there. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But I would, I also think that, I mean, these lyrics are certainly not non-dairy creamer, but um, <laughs> e- even like, I feel like these are the, these are pretty personal and sure. the personal yes. in a way that this is kind of weird for me to say, cause I think I, maybe I've argued for the opposite before, but you don't have to interpret a ton of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not in such a like, embarrassing or I don't know, like sometimes Jimmy world speaking of them can write very personal hard on the sleeve narratives in their songs that are a little almost embarrassing. Sure. Yes. And, and I don't feel like these get to that point. And so like the way the, like the song starts and it's very, it's very quiet and it becomes apparent very quickly that he's talking about, you know, this um, separation. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I, I feel it works. I feel the lyrics and the, the music match very well. Um, and which leads up to that like big explosion in the middle of the, the song that I think just, ugh. I, I mean, if you don't like that big guitar chord, you know, I don't yeah. know what to tell you. It's a good guitar chord. It's, um, I believe it is a D. Mm. I'm trying to, I, I learned how to play this song a while ago and it's in a weird tuning. It's like, I think it's like D A D, but then like the, the bottom three strings are all fucking weird. I um, noticed that when I was watching a video of them playing uh, narcolepsy and I noticed he was kind of doing some open step with the strings and I was wondering what tuning they were using the, the high, the three high strings on yeah, that clean part. I think think they're using something different. I I can't remember what it was, and like maybe what normally would be the E and B strings were like both the same. Like I th- they might have yeah. been tuned. Like they, I can't remember, but um, it is fun to play. It's like the those big thick chords are really good, and then like mm-hmm. the little higher licks are are very catchy. Um, yeah, that little hammer on thing. The do, 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 do. That, to that little hammer on thing I bet is fun to play I'm I don't know why I've never done this before I'm gonna google Kevin Cottigan and be like dude where are you because maybe I just want to listen to this guy play guitar maybe um, maybe he's got a band that's not third eye blind born in Oakland settled in Berkeley oh a traveler um <laughs> just got that <laughs> Okay, does everyone see what I'm dealing with here? Like, I know, like, sometimes my jokes fall flat, but, I mean, come on. (laughs) 
He's got uh, some solo albums. He's got uh, five solo albums, buddy. Yeah, I don't. I boy, I really do not want to listen to an album called Wonderfoot. Oh, never mind. In April 2007, Cadigan, Steve Harwell of Smash Mouth, and Eric Stock of Stroke Nine formed a band, Radio Angel. Danny, I have to go. I have a big night ahead of me. <laughs> God, what is it with this dude and just getting with like the weirdest frontman? Radio Angel? Yeah, that sucks. They, they definitely toured with like a... Alter Bridge. <laughs> oh, who am I thinking of? Um, oh my gosh, I can see the music video. They're in like a in like a music club. A guy's like climbing the scaffolding. Um, listeners, call in if you know what band. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, Our Lady Peace. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So it was it's Radio Angel opening for Alter Bridge and Our Lady Peace. Yeah. Oh, okay, that was worth it. Our Lady Peace, I believe they are Canadian. Let me see. They, they are. They are. They're from Toronto. My sister likes them. Oh. Well, they're good. Mm, I don't know. Never really listened to them. Well, I'm just trying not to shit on your sister. No. Thanks. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else to say about that one? Um. No, I was just going to wrap up the... The Kevin Cottigan podcast. and um, No, I, I just think that's, it's another one. Of, I mean, so, okay, here's the thing. We never talked about kind of any of their like success and radio hits and mm-hmm. we don't have to get into it, but like, okay, Semi-Charmed Life, How's It Gonna Be, uh, Jumper, those were all, and, and Graduate, those were all hits off of their debut. And mm-hmm. then Never Let You Go and... Deep inside of you, ugh, what a fucking cringy title. Were yep. the big hits off Blue? Um, that was kind of the end of their like smash commercial success. Yeah, there was a, a pretty big gap in between albums. Yeah, Blue. well, because fucking Kevin, you know, mm, was right, 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 was ousted after those two, and then that I think it was 03 was out of the vein, and it has a couple good songs, but mm-hmm. it you can tell something's missing. But anyway, so I was just going to wrap up this song by saying, like, I knew you had at least heard in some context all of those, you know, big smash radio hits. Mm -hmm. And if you only hear those, it's so easy to, like, dismiss this band. Yes. um, As, okay, yeah, they're catchy, but who cares? Or or maybe you don't even think they're catchy. The the singer's annoying or the lyrics are stupid or whatever. And all of those things are, are true. The background... Um, I think is a song that at least shows like they they can and do try other things. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't always shake the like the the need to be catchy and poppy or his need to be uh, a douche. But <laughs> the the background I think is a pretty good example of just you know good songwriting without the without them thinking it's going to help them take over the world. Yeah, I'd agree. For kind of all these songs, except for Never Let You Go, they're much more interesting than the singles. So they might be a good band to to really explore the deep cuts, you know? I mean, give that debut album a listen through. Now, mm-hmm. again, half of that album was on the radio. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But um, the, so the the opener of that album, losing a whole year, um, and then that the was other the two, one uh, when I when I asked uh, my buddy Harjeet, he that was the one he immediately uh, like quoted the. I I remember uh, I remember when you and me used to spend the whole goddamn day in bed. Is that what he quoted? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He said, "Let me see how what percentage is this." Um, are, you, are you looking at a million blind? percent? I asked him, you got you dudes like third eye blind, right? A million percent. And then losing a whole year. Yeah. I'm assuming that's kind of how the chorus goes. That's actually a different song. Isn't that what you said? <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Fuck. It would just be really good if like losing a whole year, like they don't say that at all, but they do in another <laughs> song. Um, yeah, losing a whole year is great. You would love, I'm sure you would love the falsetto in that song. Um, and then the two other like album closers, if you want to count mm-hmm. all three, Motorcycle Drive-By and God of Wine are both really, really cool songs. Okay. And then there's there's only one song on that album that I'm like, skip. Mm-hmm. Um, a song called London. But everything else, like I, I think if you're if you're interested in them being interesting... Mm-hmm. I, I think that you just listen to that album and if if nothing else catches you, then eh, maybe not. But, yeah. oh well. It was a fun uh, episode. Fun fun band to talk about, at least. It was fun. Let's see. How many seconds of summer did they earn? How many seconds of my summer? I should really think about this ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think... I don't think so, because I think opinions can change and that's true my opinion uh has changed because i for some reason remember um not liking a couple of this or wrote in my notes not liking some of the songs and then as we were talking about it i was like wait a second i actually do kind of like this so (laughs) um i'll give them two point no yeah 2.5 seconds of summer wow so you gave them a half eye blind <laughs> yes well you know what i'm i'm glad you didn't hate them i didn't really care what you were gonna rate them if i had to guess i probably would have guessed lower than 2.5 yeah they surprised me <laughs> i just i i just really i wanted to get into stephen jenkins's weirdness and his tomness yeah um, i i never want to see him ever again <laughs> Oh my god, they both do weird mouth things too. Mhm. Mhm. <sighs> Eerie. Well, Danny, I promise next next time I punish you with the band, you're not going to have to worry about uh non-dairy creamer-esque lyrics. Um, <laughs> you are going to have to reckon with a couple more Kinsellas though. Ooh. Because next time, I'm going to punish you with God is an astronaut. Oh, okay. I'm excited. I don't know anything Good. about this band, but I know the name. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope... Uh, don't you mean, thanks a lot? <laughs> yeah, everybody. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.
Hey, do you know what it means if someone says like, hey, put a little more mustard on that? <laughs> no, aside from being at Subway or something. So, okay, so in, in any other context, that doesn't make any sense to you? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so I, I didn't know if it was like a... Trying to get a new, new uh, slang started? <laughs> no, this... See, if anything, I think this is old slang. So like in baseball, if like you throw a ball and someone says like, you know, hey, put a little more mustard on that. It just means like throw it harder, throw it faster. Okay. Um, and so I said that to uh, one of my players a few weeks ago and she had no idea what it meant. <laughs> but like she comes from a, a family that is like big into baseball, like her brother plays baseball and her dad played baseball. And I was like, ask your uh-huh. dad. Because she thought I just made it up. She thought I was, like, full of it. So, like, ask your dad if he knows what that means. And he did. So, like, it's not regional because we we're from different states. And, uh-huh. and he is uh, probably even older than you are. So, <laughs> so okay. It, it must just be a sports thing. But anyway, the, the, the gusto. They stopped using it when, uh, I think, Babe Ruth retired. <laughs> um, they stopped using the mustard thing. So Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, anyway, when you were saying gusto and oomph, it just reminded me of, you know, he, he's just yeah, yeah, a yeah. little more mustard. He's got a little but, more mustard on his voice. <laughs> yeah, and it's the spittle of it's getting all over the microphone. <laughs> Somehow, like two days later, you find out you still have mustard under your fingernail. And you're like, God damn it. 